Hello. How are you? You want to do a podcast and radio show? Me too. Let's do it. Hello, everybody. It's Peter Dunn, Pete's Planner, host of the Pete's Planner Show. Good to be with you. Damien Dunn joins me as always. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Oh, we have got a good one today. And it's going to begin with the sound of Miguel. Hola, Miguel. Uh, Dame, you and I talked before the show. This is needed. Hola, Pete. Mm. Miguel has a much more masculine voice. Um, Dame, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Um, I am excited for a rip-roaring day of good times. Today is April Fool's Day, uh, number two. Um, It's Ted's birthday, 10-year-old today, Ted Dunn. Uh, Number three, this is my last day of work before I go on a a vacation, and it's been a very long time since I've gone on a vacation. Well, we are all looking forward to you leaving for a while. Can I have a private moment and discuss something with you that cannot get back to my family? Absolutely. It's just between us. Okay. So everyone watching or listening right now, here's what I encourage you to do. Don't bring this up with my family. You ready? Yep. As much as I need a break and as much as I want to go hang out with my family, I just, I would like to work. Like I would like to work (laughs) next week. Is that wrong? Like, is that, is that a problem? I'm going to refrain comment in case this does make it back to your family somehow. There's got to be at least one of us in good standing with Mrs. Planner. So you're saying there's nothing wrong with that? Take Read into that whatever you want. I Look, I love my wife. I love my children. I love hanging out with them for an extended period of time. I just want to work. I, mean, I want to hang out with them, but I want to work too. So I think I got a plan. You want to hear my plan? Yeah. I'm going to get up really early, which I always you do. You do anyway. I, yeah. I know. I get up three hours, four hours before anybody else. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be in Florida where all the olds are awake. So I'm going to get up, grab my laptop, drive out of the retirement community that I'm going to be in with my in-laws, <laughs> go find a, a coffee shop and uh, get some work done and then come back. Now, the issue with this game is, you know, the weird part about alternate work hours is that what I, I'm going to miss is the collaboration, being mm-hmm. able to go back and forth and be a, what I will say is efficient. <laughs> I, I can't do that because I'm going to be doing stuff at 3, 4 in the morning, and I can't, will not communicate with anyone during that time. So, I mean, what, what, what do I do? I mean, I, I guess if, if you want to you know, slide a little envelope across the table, I'd be willing to get up at 3 and 4 in the morning next week uh, just to be able to bounce ideas off of me. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need to have my ideas reflected off of oh. your bald head. Well, okay. Dame um, was in Houston this past week. Houston, Texas. It was at Minute Maid Park. That is like the fifth l- large, maybe more, sixth, seventh large sporting facility that I've done a presentation at. That is a weird thing. The number of large venues like that, that I've done an event at. Now, I haven't done it for 70,000 people. It's always on a room or whatever there, but it's just strange. You just wouldn't expect that I've done events at that many places. Just picture you, would you say you're at Minute Maid Park? I don't think it's Minute Maid Park anymore, but It is. Is it still? Yeah, I was there with the sign. I saw the sign. So picture you standing in the batter's box or up on the pitcher's mound, delivering your speech with the giant jumbotron blazing behind you. Yeah. 
No, yeah, it's not what it is, but yeah. So I've done an event there. I and mean, this is not a flex. This is just a peculiarity, as we yeah. like to say. Done it there uh, this week. Done an event, a couple events at Target Field mm-hmm. uh, in Minneapolis for the, with the Twins. Mm-hmm. Done stuff at the, uh, now it's Gainbridge Fieldhouse, where right. it was uh, Banker's Life for the Pacers. Stuff at Lucas Oil for the Colts. Texas Tech's football stadium mm-hmm. in... Lubbock? Sure. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's giant. TCU? Yeah. Um, and I'm forgetting one. It's just like, it's like, it's just, oh, um, University like Colorado? of Colorado, yeah, Colorado, Colorado. Uh, and uh, Boulder. Yeah. yeah. So, what? What? Anyway, it, and as a former college athlete, I can tell you just feels right. <laughs> your, your home. It just feels right. Yeah. Um, I have to say, it's nice to be back on the road in some respects, and and no one cares about my next comments. I was at the Westin in downtown Houston. Hello, Brian Pinkins. Greetings to you. Hello, Danza. Hello, greetings to you. Uh, I was in the Westin in downtown Houston. Dame, I, I can't remember a friendlier staff at a hotel in a really long time. Really? And my expectations are incredibly low <laughs> because I'm just trying to extend grace as to whatever people are going through. But I felt like I was at, I don't know, some nine diamond hotel. Did you get a little uh, room upgrade there? No, 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 no. It's just a regular room. I just like I walked in the lobby and like it was it was really friendly. And it's not that I don't think Texas is friendly. I mean, that's not it. I go to Texas a couple times a year. It just felt. It was, it was really nice and welcoming. I had to say, when you get off from a long day of travel and you get to a hotel, you just don't want to be aggravated. And that's not to sound like a, a snooty person. It's just like your whole day is aggravating. And for somebody to be like, welcome, it's, it's, we were expecting you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have, I have a reservation. Yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah, well, uh, good for you. I'm glad uh, that's easing the transition back into uh, travel life for Pete the Planner. Jeremiah notes in Facebook Live right now, I feel heard. This does not feel rushed anymore. Jeremiah gave show feedback um, mm-hmm. that we that we felt rushed. That felt rushed. It felt like the audience was unimportant. And so we listened. We did receive some other feedback uh, about our discussion of my car shopping experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how it turned political, some of the feedback we got. Uh, but hey, whatever. Uh Thanks for listening. I think, oh, we do have new listeners this week, right? Because I, I know this podcast will have new listeners because I did speak in Houston to a group of people. Oh. And uh, people were like, oh, I want to listen to your podcast. I was like, good luck. So anyway, <laughs> welcome to those people. This is the show. And as I tried to explain when you ask about the show, the show is a show about the recording of a show. So it's a show within a show. Did, uh, did we do the standard disclaimer for the new listeners up front that we are not related? Oh, we are not related. Damien and I are not related. Um, all right. You want to do this? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And here's what will happen. We may answer your question. And by we, I mean me and Damien Dunn, no relation, Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line, the newly rebranded Your Money Line, may I note. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Uh, you're doing well? I am doing well. Are you doing well? Mm, maybe. 
Uh, Dame, this week we're talking automation. Automation. Now, automation was once feared to wipe out the jobs market. Well, I could make a robot do what I'm doing? Maybe, Gary. Maybe. But today we're talking about personal financial automation. Dame, I'm looking at you on our camera feed here. I felt like you almost cracked a smile when I when I spoke in that voice just a second ago. It's very reminiscent of a couple other voices that you do, and that always puts a smile on my face. All right, Dame. So automation, we're going to tackle it from several different angles. Um, automating your personal finances versus investing, which is completely different, right? Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk about when automation is appropriate, when it is inappropriate, and what it looks like when it goes wrong. So this is our automation innovation episode of the Pete the Planner Show. Um, if you're listening on a, one of our radio affiliates, hello. I hope you're driving safe. And if you're listening from your home and you were hoping to listen to Little Orphan Annie today, well, instead you've got me and uh, Damien. Dame, when do you think automation came around in personal finance? What do you think the first sort of example of an automated personal financial task was? If we're going way back, the, per, the first automated task had to be 401k contributions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 401k contributions, anything coming out of your paycheck in an auto-deduct setting is probably the answer there. What do you think, though, once the money hits your account? like What sort of automated things? You got to think like ACH, mm -hmm. maybe uh, automatic payments out of your checking account for like a mortgage or something like that. Yeah. But when do you think uh, something digital got involved? Uh, subscription services? Subscription service. <clears throat> subscription services. It's going to be a great what? voice day. I can tell. Yeah, that sounds uh, good. It does. It's uh, What kind of mic are you using? <laughs> One with hopefully a filter. Yeah, there's a filter there. I'll have yeah, to yeah, sanitize that after we're finished. Yeah, it's yummy. Uh, uh, automatic ACHs for mortgages or um, you know car payments, things of that nature. Um, automated um, savings mechanisms, just moving it, transferring it from a checking account to a savings account, or maybe even to an offsite savings account with your from your primary bank to a another bank or institution. I think that most of that for most of America is a relatively recent occurrence, at least adoption, maybe not occurrence, but just adoption. I forgot my big disclaimer for the day because, you know, this show, if it's nothing else, it's just a bevy of disclaimers. Uh, I still pay my mortgage in person, and that's the one bill I refuse to automate. And we have talked about that. I don't know how many times on this show. About I can't not do it. I love it. Personal satisfaction. I think you have an addiction to suckers, and you just go in and grab a handful when they're not looking, no. and walk away. If they, I'm getting to the age where if they had Werthers or some other mm -hmm. level of butterscotch hard candy, I'd take it. But no, it's not the suckers. Have you had a sucker recently? No. They are sweet. Are they? Oh my god. Do you remember do you remember the first time as like an adult that wasn't in their 20s you had a sip of Mountain Dew and it was like whoa no because you weren't a teen anymore do you remember that I couldn't tell you the last time I had Mountain Dew but I'm sure my response would be pretty similar to what you just described yeah, try having a bank sucker it's the <sighs> worst thing in the anyway um so the, my, the, my disclaimer is this like I, I most of my financial life is automated there are just things that aren't and I can't I don't have a good excuse I mean I have context but certainly not a good excuse. So Dame, I also have to admit, I lived for a very long time a 
part of my 22 years of an adult, or I guess 26 years, depending on how you want to look at it, or whatever, who cares? Um, I, I, I think I've had a hybrid model. Some things have been automated, and then I've just sort of creeped over the remaining uh, manual things into the automated process. So this includes things like online bill pay. Uh, this includes things like automated transfers from checking account to savings account. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of sweeping money over at the end of the month into your savings account, having it automatically come out. Dame and banks even make it easier to be smart about this. It, it doesn't have to be the 15th of every month. Sometimes you can even do it with your bank like the second Tuesday of every month. So it's easier to match up uh, with your uh, your paycheck. Do you have any holdout issues in your household or is there any part of personal finance, non-investing automation where you are still holding out? We, uh, we will pay manually some of our bill. We still use bill pay, but we um, are in charge of actually, you know, entering the amount and triggering them. We don't have them set up to go. Um, you know, some of the bills can be submit or your, your bank account smart enough to know that, Hey, we'll go out and get that bill for you and go ahead and pay it automatically. I don't do that very, I, in fact, I don't do that at all. I, I if I can't program the exact amount that goes out, I, I don't go to that level of automation to let the bank communicate with the person I owe money to figure out exactly what that is and then have it paid automatically. So I don't engage in full automation by any stretch, but man, I like to leverage the automation I am comfortable with. How many checks physically does your household write per month? Paper checks. One, maybe. On wow. Average. It's when you pay Cassie rent to stay at your home? Yeah, uh, rent for my office. Your Mrs. Planner. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, the Planner household, very big check writers. Really? Yeah. I, dude, I'm telling you, I'm at least willing to admit my my, my things. Mrs. Planner, tends, she pays most of the utility style bills and most of them she pays with paper check and i and and this is uh, by the way of all i did express the fact that i i i'd um my reluctance of going on vacation next week but i am not here to say that i want her to do it a different way that's just her comfort level and i have no reason to try to talk her into a different scenario still spending money on stamps huh yeah yeah Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> I don't know if that that's the angle I want to go to sway in a different way. <laughs> well, I mean, if she's got a method and, and everything gets taken care of and paid on time, then who are you to disrupt it? She likes how the way she does it. It's just like you like to walk into a bank and pay a mortgage. Oh, it's great. Uh, now I do the drive through window. I do have to admit there is, other than banking, there is one process that I hate automating personally that this is going to be another turnoff for a bunch of other people here. Uh, I like to manually budget. I don't okay. like automated budgeting. I don't like the idea that all my data is aggregated and pulled down. There's a digital handshake. It's nice little graphs and categories. I like getting in there and seeing what's going on. Well, as we know, there is no one size fits all solution for budgeting. Some people want to do it exactly how you do it with a, a spreadsheet. I, mean, I was about to say pencil and paper, but... I know it's on a spreadsheet. There's no way you're using a pencil and paper. It's, no, it's, it's a spreadsheet. spreadsheet. Several spreadsheets. Several spreadsheets. I made it. I made an impromptu budget on my flight last week or the, earlier this week. I, I, I thought of something different. My pay had changed a little bit because of health insurance stuff we have mm-hmm. at work. And I was like, you know, I haven't accounted for that recently. So I went in there and I was, 
it'd been a while since I built a budget from scratch. And I just started over. I just decided, you know what? I'm going to start over our budget. And I looked at our cash a little bit. It was inv- it was invigorating. And then I texted Mrs. Planner about it. And she she sort of gave me that, an emoji that suggested that maybe I had a lot more interest in that topic than maybe she did. I can't imagine that to be the truth, Pete. Don't you love, though? I'm, I'm, maybe you don't. Like, making progress on, like, a fresh budget? Like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, when you can sit down and focus on uh, finances and feel like you've gone from something unknown or not updated to the most recent version of what you've got going on, there is, a, it feels like an empowerment almost. Here's what we're going to do after the break. We're going to talk about automation as it relates to investing because that will take you to the promised land. And that is not promissory. After the break, we'll do that. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show. I almost hit uh, end broadcast end, right yeah. there. Do you ever, you know? No, I've never done it, but I've, I've watched you almost do it a few times. In good times. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I, I, I really enjoyed the spreadsheet. And of course, what I did was I found what I believe our margin to be, our new margin. Mm-hmm. And I took, you know, I really should pull this up. I took about 48%. I'm doing the math on the fly. Sorry, it's a Friday. About 48% of what the projected margin was and increased my savings by that amount. Ooh. Wow. And then I'm going to go a couple months and see if the 52% gets absorbed or if it starts to build the, the minimum cash balance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm in my head, I'm envisioning all these uh, dramatic shots cutting back and forth. If you just hunched over a computer yeah. on the plane, we that's exactly the, what happened. Calling the flight attendant, asking for some uh, refreshment to make sure that you've, you're hydrated properly to get through this budget. I just realized, and there's on the uh, right next to the camera here, um, Sorry, podcasters. There is a sh- something I need to grab that I keep forgetting to grab for my next flight, and I actually want to grab it right now and put it on my desk. I'll explain in a moment. So, Dame, don't don't try to entertain people. It, it it doesn't work. Hold on. So, what I have the opportunity to do now is entertain, but I won't all right, all right, all right. because that I guess I could talk my, my way through this. So, oh, you could have talked. About. When I was doing my budget on my plane on the plane, mm. this dude next to me, let's call him Rick. Oh, actually, let's not call him Rick because. No. Uh, Rick Swink's not here yet today, and we do not want to disparage name Rick. Let's call this guy Wendell. Wendell's staring at my spreadsheet. And so I've got this security mm-hmm. screen that doesn't allow a person to read what you're typing on your laptop. And since I am flying to vacation on Monday and will be working on the plane, uh, I'm going to take that with me. And I forgot it. So there, close that loop. You could have just looked over at the guy and tilted your computer slightly and said, Hey, what do you think about these numbers? I know you got a big interest in these. It is weird. Uh, and maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. It's always possible. Uh, it is weird to watch your cash flow change and to start over your budget from scratch because very quickly because of inflation, because of pay changes, because of benefits, cost changes, it's really easy to have your cash flow change and your old budget, the tweaks not really feel like they work out. I, I just wanted to start from scratch. I, I, I'll go as far as to say I recommend that. Ooh. 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 Ha, hot mic. Brian Ping is with the Mr. Wendell reference. Dame, you've got to know this. I know you're not a hip-hop presario, but it's where, do you... It's where my mind went when you said Wendell, was Mr. Wendell. 
Okay. And who uh, performed Mr. Wendell? Is that the Fugees? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> that was as predictable as anything. <laughs> that was arrested oh, development. The answer is arrested development. Yeah. Mm. Oh, show recommendation. Yeah, before arrested, we, arrested development. That's the uh, same person, uh, same group that did uh, um, exactly Tennessee, right? Yes. Yeah. So I had the right. I had the right group in my head, just the wrong name. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Summer of Soul is the documentary um, that won Best Documentary at the Oscars last week. Summer of Soul, Quest Love, Amir, uh, was the director of uh, said documentary. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Player and I watched it last night. If you want a good two hours of just like sitting back and learning and feeling good and being sort of proud of what this country can put together, I, I would highly recommend Summer of Soul, the documentary by uh, Questlove. Can you hear the bird banging up against my window right now? Is that a euphemism for something? No, no, I've got a bird just repeatedly running into my window. Do you have your speakers on your room? Like, could the beer, b- bird hear me if I uh, no, said I, something to just, it? No, just in my ears, if you yell, I will not be happy. How about if I send a tweet? <laughs> there, there we, we go. go. There we go. All right, three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dang, we're talking automation today. The robots are stealing jobs. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about certain processes in your life are are just so much better when they're automated. And in my estimation, in my opinion, albeit an expert in informed opinion, I think the best use of automation is investing. And uh, most people which is a really weird blanket term to use. A lot of people also feels lazy, uh, have experience with automated investing primarily through their employer, the the decisions they make through their retirement plan. So what I'd like to do is I want to start there. I want to start to talk about the different levels of automation that can exist. Even within your retirement plan, there's probably five or six different layers of automation that can occur. So let's begin there. Dame, take us to the, to the, the easiest way to do this. Um, which actually, all, all things considered, some employers automate the process for you by having automatic enrollment. You are mm-hmm. automatically enrolled in the program. And I will note um, that that's generally a good thing because it lowers the barrier of entry. Yeah, uh, automated enrollment uh, is a huge step towards helping people become more secure for their retirement. Uh, they found that I think it's a, almost an 80 or 90% acceptance rate when it is an automatic enrollment where you have to say, no, I don't want to participate in my employer-sponsored retirement plan. Uh, even if it's just a, a 1% or 2% or 3% to get that matched, the employer is hopefully offering you automated enrollment is huge. The next step, though. <laughs> well, I don't know where you're going with your next step, so why don't you go there? Um because I have another step as well, and I don't know where it fits. So why don't you go first? I was just going to say uh, contributions. Okay, well, that's be. what I was going to say. Okay, yeah. So, so here's the thing. You're automatically signed up. They put you in at a certain level. It's usually around the match. It's usually at the point to, to maximize the match, which, which is great. We mm-hmm. like that. Like, we, we like that it's not less than that is maybe what I should say. But wouldn't it be neat if... You were automatically enrolled 
I'm, I am now, what I'm about to describe is a pipe dream. What's the origin of pipe dream? Is it that someone is, is like inhaling hallucinogenics? Is that? I'm assuming it has some drug reference to it. Okay. Not a big drug guy. So I, maybe I, I won't get fast and loose with pipe dream here. Hmm. It is a dream dream to a person is automatically enrolled and they're enrolled at a contribution level that puts them on track to their retirement goals. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, it, it seems like that wouldn't be uh, too much of a, <clears throat> a request for 401k sponsors to uh, just make it set up to where if, if you know you're going to contribute 4% or 6% or 10%, Based on the number of years you've got left and roughly what the expected return would be, oh, here's beautiful. how much you're going to have. Just add enrollment. Add enrollment. So I, I've got things to do on my flight to where I'm going next week, but you've just got me thinking about a new spreadsheet I want to make that actually would figure that out. Have you been drinking a very uh, sour lemonade uh, today, which has got your, your 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 mouth producing all sorts of excess plasmas? Oh. And it was fine, but five minutes before we started, <laughs> I had great. none of this. And all of a sudden, you hit record or on air or whatever you hit, and here we are. It's the ultimate appetite suppressant is listening to you talk today. So I appreciate that. So, so yeah, knowing exactly what to invest isn't automated. I, although I will note, a lot more employers are doing what's called an auto-escalate, mm -hmm. which is that, that every year your percentage of your contributions go up a percentage or so. And I like that. I think the next choice becomes within automated investing is, okay, what do I invest in? Now, mm -hmm. there's a couple different ways that this has been automated. With a robo-advisor, something like a betterment.com or there's other ones, you answer questions about what you're hoping to accomplish, and then you are automatically placed in a portfolio that, that works to accomplish that. Now, that's pretty smart. I like that. But there's also another automated way that's a, a little less complex on the surface. And that's, hey, when do you want to stop working? Uh, what year do you want to stop working? And when you answer that, then it puts you in what's called a TDF or a target date fund. And Dame, that's where most people experience asset allocation in an automated way. Yeah, those accounts are very prevalent in 401k plans these days. Uh, very simple, straightforward. You pick the date that most likely corresponds with when you want to retire. And the fund company handles everything else. They'll use a handful of funds, you know, five, six, maybe seven funds. And based on the time horizon that you've got left, they will adjust the amount invested in each of those funds to roughly line up with uh, the, the risk amount of risk that can be taken reasonably between then and the time you retire. And it handles it automatically. All you have to do is worry about showing up to work, getting paid, and making those contributions. I am trying to measure my next comments. Because I don't want to give investment advice in the show. That's not what we do. Like, we're not like, you know, always this, never this. Like, that's just dumb. Mm -hmm. And we also don't like to give the call us on Monday and we'll figure it out. That's also a bit silly. Mm -hmm. But I do want to say something rather bold. It's hard to understand why most people simply just don't have target date funds. I think it is a mistake for a large number of people to do something other than target date funds? It would be a very interesting study. Well, they, we kind of know. We know what the average investor's return is over certain stretches of time versus what uh, indices returns are. 
And it's not good. The average investor's return is much, much smaller than what a, just a, an index, a S&P 500 index return is. Target date funds would take a lot of that issue out of it. They're not going to allow you, assuming you don't get in there and pull your money out when, when things get shaky, uh, they're not going to allow you to um, make potentially poor decisions on investment choices or um, rebalancing or not rebalancing or any of that stuff. You just keep sending money to them. They'll handle the rest. And that's the beautiful part about this. You could argue that the target date fund that your employer has for you in your, your plan isn't good, right? You could say, well, I don't like the glide path or I don't like how they have the allocation. You, you could say that mm-hmm. if you are in some way qualified to say that. You, you could also say it if you're not qualified to say it. And then what you do next, though, is kind of important. Dame, if I'm like, hey, I don't like the glide path of my target date fund, that's why I'm going to choose my allocation myself. That in itself, because I disagree with the target date fund glide path, doesn't mean I know what I'm doing. No, no. And that's not to be uh, rude or disrespectful to the individual. I'm sure you have your best interests in mind, but picking your investments is a rather weighty decision that, that you need to make sure you understand the, the consequences of it. If you don't, and if you don't understand the, the risks and rewards that come along with that, you may be better off just you know, letting someone else do it, which is a target date fund or hiring a professional to pick your portfolio for you inside of your 401k or 403b or whatever the case may be. But uh, expecting to um, outsmart the room in, in these cases is is very dangerous games to play. People love to be right. Oh, yes. And, and they love to be the root cause of being right. It's not good enough to say, oh, I chose a target date fund and I retired successfully. People would rather say, I picked a, a basket of securities individually and I retired successfully. Like the second option I just gave you is preferable to most people based on how they invest, which is which is wild. And I also note, this is anecdotal. I think it's gender driven. Oh yeah. Totally. It, like I, yeah. if I, I don't know how to get to a place, but my goal is to get to a place. And the best way to get to a place is to stop at a gas station pre-navigation uh, system and ask where to go. No, I didn't want to because I wanted to be the primary reason we got there. And so I would say to Mrs. Planner, shush, 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 shush. <laughs> just like that. I'd shush her. I, my, my finger would touch her lips. Like, I got it. And we'd be lost. But it's because I wanted to be the solution. Coming up after the break, more on this right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Oh, I almost blew through that break. I don't think anybody believes that you shush Mrs. Planner. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no way. Are you kidding me? She's terrifying. People are like, oh, she's so cute, so so petite. Like, even the fact that I'm saying this on radio right now, like, I'm terrified. There's so many, things in, that. so many things in this show that and could potentially get you in trouble. She's a very nice woman. Do not... Do not cross that woman. <laughs> you know, but why do people want... We, we took this sort of... I hate the concept of personality test, but we took this thing at work called an Acumax. So we've like, are you more interested in the right idea or your idea, right? Mm-hmm. We, sort of, we, we sort of took this. And, and I, I took great pleasure in knowing 
the, the results came back for me is I'm the most interested in what is the best idea, not my, my idea. And that made me feel good. You really, you had the highest score on that? Um, I don't know if I had the highest score, but I had a high score in that regard. Okay. Yeah. Which is weird because I feel like that's changed. I was that's... a my idea guy for a long time. Well, I think that goes along with the territory, Pete. I mean, most entrepreneurs, no, most entrepreneurs are pretty convinced that their idea is the best. I don't like the word entrepreneur. I feel like it's really stuck up and it's hard to spell. And I, okay. I hate how many syllables it has. What, uh, what word would you like me to substitute? Business owner. Business owner. Business owner. I know. I just don't like the word entrepreneur. It's like, it's obnoxious. It's like, yeah, throw a couple R's in. It's like, <laughs> it is French. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm. I took Latin. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> of course you did. I'm worried about being stuck up when I took Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Only eight years. Okay. Um, you think I'd be a doctor or a farmer or something, right? No, I wouldn't. <sighs> no. Can you think of any worse profession for me than doctor? Farmer? <laughs> I can watch some YouTube stuff about farming. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the worst profession for you? Not something you wouldn't want to do, but like that your skill set doesn't match. I mean, nothing like, you know, professional athlete. We, we understand that you're inadequate that way. But I mean, just general skills. What do you think? What's the worst profession for you? Radio host? Probably. As I'm sure there will be plenty of uh, hear hears in the comments on that. Yeah, I'm trying to think what mine would be. Doctor's not good. Attorney. For you? Probably. Really? Yeah. I I couldn't I couldn't do a trial. I'd think too much. I couldn't I couldn't respond to somebody on the stand. Web developer for me. Really? Yeah. Uh Pinkin says uh personal trainer. Are you talking about for you or for Dame? Oh, fair. You I mean, I don't I feel like I could transition to personal trainer pretty easy after what I do right now. Yeah, you're right, exactly. Uh yeah, I'm going with web developer. I just think you're a couple cans of Miguel short of being a great web developer. Oh, uh, Lee has a good one. Zookeeper. Oh, for me. Can I be a zookeeper? Let me think about that. Parking attendant. You'd be great at parking attendant. Oh, my God. I would tell people. You know, I, I, I Ubered in, uh, in Houston because my Lyft app had like a 30-minute delay Ooh. to get someone out to the airport. So I switched to Uber and someone was there in two minutes. And I was like... I usually like to use Lyft for corporate ethics reasons, but my ethics aren't strong enough to wait 30 minutes to get a ride to my hotel. <laughs> I was compromised. We all have excuses, Pete. Dame, do you have any idea what the lyrics are this week on the, uh, the screen? Is that uh, Eric B. and Rakim? Well, you're half right. It's Eric B. and Rakim. And um, in, in Northeast Indiana, it was Rakim. Well, that's not surprising. Uh, did you Google it or did you, did you know it? I recognize the song, but I couldn't have told you who it was. I, okay. Once I knew the, uh, once I heard the, the words, or sorry, uh, saw the uh, artist's names. I did I realize like, oh, there was of course. some mild profanity in last week's streaming lyrics. Yeah, that's why I made the comment about I mean, that's a strong lyric right there. And, yeah. Uh, it I was saw, a little. <laughs> saw that on the playback. Sorry, everybody. Then we're going to have to get our very first parental advisory warning sticker on the outside of our uh, podcast. Mm. 
I had someone tell me the other day I should have a podcast. They heard me talk. They're like, you should have a podcast. And I said, uh, <laughs> I, I do. And they say, they went, oh. And they didn't, they didn't ask any more about it. It was like, they were saying, oh, you should have one because I want to listen to it. And I was like, I do. And then they didn't try Follow to get up. the information of yeah. how to find it. Well, if you're listening this week, hi. Well, I didn't know if maybe it's just because I'm a white guy. And they were like, you should have a podcast. Every white guy on the planet feels oh. like he should have a podcast. No. No, they definitely shouldn't. Uh, no, God, I, I should barely have one. And I'm not even sure I should. It's with that that we go to three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Dame, um, automation is the topic for today. How do you automate your finances to, to make the outcomes what you want them to be? We, we've talked about bill pay. We've talked about savings. We've talked about saving for investments or investment strategy using automation there. I want to spend a couple more minutes on that before we talk about where this can all go wrong. Um, I have a hard time not automating a person's investment strategy, working backwards off what they need to do in order to retire successfully and taking a vast majority of the guesswork out of it. Yeah, I mean, this kind of lines up really well with uh, our favorite budgeting technique between you and I personally, the lazy man's budgeting uh, technique, where you start with the end in mind, figure out what you have to do to get there, and then figure out what else you've got to play with in the meantime. So it, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world to me to oh, just knock out the goal first and foremost, and then figure out the rest after that. So you also just uh, happen to identify where this can go wrong too, right? So there's a couple things. One, you fund the goal first and then spend what's left over. So, so here's the first way it can go wrong is if um, the complexity and the dynamics of that change and you do not adjust. So that is one way it goes wrong if you are asleep at the wheel, so to speak. And the other way that, that we need to help people understand where something can get weird is if your income is increasing, okay, and you're funding your goals consistently, yet the amount of money, the amount of margin you have to spend, the amount of discretionary spending continues to grow, what you could find happening is that you're saving a lower percentage of your income as your income grows. Therefore, mm -hmm. you're getting further away from your retirement goals because you're spending more, you've absorbed more into your lifestyle as opposed to saving more. And you may go from saving 26% of your income to 23% of your income because of that pay raise, especially if you're maxing out your 401k. And in that action, especially over a, a decade or so, you've gotten off track for retirement unintentionally. Yeah, and it's it's possible that maybe you're okay by, by you know, ignoring uh, that because you've done such a great job at saving and you're on track for having more than enough money to cover your needs in retirement. But that's where it can get really, really tricky and also draws uh, attention to the importance of making sure that you are on top of these things, that you are knowing how much you are spending on a regular basis and that you're not outspending your future income needs by making sure you're, you're saving what you need to and keeping your lifestyle creep in check as well. We're not saying, Pete and I are not saying that your lifestyle can increase as you start to make more money and progress in your career. Just be conscious of it. Make sure that you know where that money is going and is it reasonable and are you doing enough on the back end to make sure that you're going to have plenty of resources in retirement. If you can check all those boxes, then enjoy life, man. Enjoy that income and make sure you are set for the future.
I have another example where automation goes wrong. Pay check tax deductions. You know, over time, if you've got withholding set up within your, uh, your paycheck with your employer from a tax perspective, as tax law changes and as your income changes and the complexity of your life and family dynamics change, that automation can become immediately inappropriate and lead to giant tax refunds, <laughs> which aren't necessarily good, or owing a large amount of unexpected uh, tax payment. And that is also not preferred. No. Uh, anytime you are getting either of those, either writing big checks or sending ACHs to the government, whichever you want, if you prefer writing checks, so be it, uh, or getting them back from the government, things are wildly off sync at that point. And you need to make sure you're getting back in there, cleaning things up, do a new W-4 and get things in order because you don't want to be in either of those two positions. You know, another tricky one is if you've automated payments via online bill pay, as opposed to, um, let's say, let's say your mortgage, for instance, let's say your mortgage is not at your bank. Mm -hmm. Your mortgage is at a different bank. And so if your automated pay payment is with the mortgage bank, you don't have a lot to be concerned with. But if you're doing it via bill pay from your primary bank, and then the property tax or insurance mm -hmm. shifts, and you're just paying the automatic, uh, automatic amount, and you've earned the luxury to not think about it, you can find yourself getting late payments on your mortgage via underpayment. And I know this, Dame, because that's, that's why I, I, I actually did that years and years and years ago. So this is why one of the reasons that led you to wanting to make sure you make those payments in person. Don't psychoanalyze me, Freud. And it's all coming together now. Don't do this, Sally. So what, I, I mean, I, I will have a, a moment of clarity or um, transparency here as well. Oh, oh, keep your well, shirt on. Yeah, we, oh, yeah. there's no worries about that. Yeah. Uh, we pay our mortgage uh, with an ACH as well, but we've always paid a little bit more, uh, set it up for more than what the mortgage payment and escrow and all that is. And it gives us the luxury to uh, say, well, we don't need to do anything when we get that increase on property taxes going up or insurance is going up. And we get a little uh -oh. laissez-faire about it. Oh. We, we've never gotten a uh, late notice or a, you know, underpayment notice, but I could see how it would happen really easy just to have built that habit of thinking everything's fine. Yeah, we got that notice and I need to go in there and get it changed and maybe you don't get it changed on time. and. All of a sudden, you're late. I would also like to note that I think it's very rude that you just blamed your wife for that. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure she will. Uh, <laughs> doesn't sound that way in the comment section. Um, I will tell you another weird automation that doesn't feel like automation is when you don't change your address with a financial institution or someone you owe a bill to, and then they end up sending bills and they don't get forwarded or statements and they don't get forwarded. One of my earliest financial mistakes as an adult was, and I've told this story on the air before, I, my business address changed. This is probably 2001. Wow, uh, I'd hair. And I was thinner, eh, doesn't matter. Uh, I had a business account and I, I didn't use that business account that much because it was for a small project. And then my business address changed. They couldn't find me. Service fees made the account go negative. And I ended up getting a collections uh, debt 
because an account I had hundreds of dollars in went negative because of fees because they never found me because I never changed my address. So it's like, that is a form of automation that can get a person in trouble. And I've actually seen that happen a lot to people. Just had this happen, honestly. Uh, oh my it. gosh, I love when you do things that are less than ideal. Yeah, I had uh, had some utility bills going to a P.O. box that I had used for some other purposes. Decided I wanted those sent to the house from now on, so I called those uh, organizations that had them change the address, and I said, hey, I just want to make sure the next bills will come to my house in time for me to pay them, right? Of course they will. Sure they will. Well, they didn't. Ooh. So, so I was late on uh, three different bills. Wow. Yeah. Again, blaming your wife's not the way to go here. No. She is the true financial expert of your family. She is. Uh, Isn't that weird that those sorts of things happen? And and in fact, here's how I know they happen. Because there's a website for every state in our country called Whatever Unclaimed. Mm -hmm. The very mere fact that there are millions of dollars at indianauncaimed.com that people have forgotten about this money because of simple aspects of automation, that is illuminating, to say the least. Secure Act 2.0 is going to uh, propose that we start a a website just for that for uh, forgotten retirement accounts. Look at you tying in current events. Dare I say... This could be two really good shows in a row. Don't jinx it. It would have been three, but your mic didn't work two weeks ago, so we lost the show. It was a great show. It was okay. Uh, Dame, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break because we got to breathe. I'm going to take a couple swigs of Miguel. And here's what I want people to do. I want people to go to the newyearmoneyline.com just to, just to see it. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's it. Uh, go check it out. It's where Dame and I happen to, to work together, yourmoneyline.com. We don't want to sell you anything. Just take a look. It's, it's pretty. Uh, and then, Dame, uh, we're going to come back with Biggest Waste of Money of the Week and the news. We are taking next week off, everyone. It will be a best off. We're taking a best a week off so I can hang out with my family. All right. We'll be back just a moment right here on the Pete the Planner show. I ended the segment four minutes, four, four, or 4.3 seconds early just so I can make our, our producer, Matt, uh, have to play a little more John Cougar Mellon camp for the people, you know. Good, good luck, man. It's funny. Uh, so our flagship station is WIBC out of Indianapolis, and they put the bumper music on mm-hmm. after I send them the segments. And um, it's funny they kind of they make choices of like what they think our vibe is, um, and it is. Pretty on. I mean, I, I'm not a big John Mellencamp guy, but they'll put like uh, Beastie Boys sometimes as our, really? our lead-in music. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, which I appreciate. Um, you know, I mean, look, all things considered, our show is different from a lot of what's on some of the stations that carry us. It's not good, not bad, just different. What uh, what what tracks from Beastie Boys do they play? Um, I could I could give you the beat. I can't. Think of the name of it. I think it's Ryman and Steelen, actually, oh, like okay. the instrumental for Ryman and Steelen. Right. Lee, thank you. Uh, yes, Innovate Map designed our site and our new brand. It looks very nice. Just a nice evolution. One of the one of the fun parts of of having your brand evolve over time is that we're doing something called depeating the brand. <laughs> so it's a, a lot less me, a lot more everyone else, which uh, I'm glad to do. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's very nice. All right, so um, let's do the rest of the show here. Let's finish up 
Um, yeah, I think that's the best thing to do. Well, I don't know why I'm whispering. Uh, uh, you really were not accusing your wife of making all those mistakes. Oh, I know that. So does she. I know. I'm just trying to get you in trouble. I know. So does she. Yeah. Uh, the text just still sounds like Pete. Well, you know, kind of. I'm st- <laughs> I still work here, and I, I still have some influence. My daughter was acting weird last night, and I accused her of being the least influential influencer in the world because she's in the you know that world of being a 13 year old who's mm. beholden to influencers. Mm. And uh, I felt that was clever, but then I realized that it's probably some level of bullying that she's going to have to talk about years from now. Yeah, I, I don't think she uh, is probably going to appreciate that. No. No. Okay. Um, here we go. I'm trying to try the mechanism of how I want to do this. I think we're going to start there. And I'm going to start the segment. Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pizza Planner show is... Every week on the show, we do something that's out for sale and uh, it's a waste of money. I don't recommend you buy it. Well, I mean, you can. It's, it's just sort of a... Haston's Dremer Bed. Haston's or Hastings or Hastings honors 170 years in the luxury bedding business with its latest masterpiece, the brainchild of designer Ferris Raffali. The Dremer Bed is the culmination of six generations of craftsmanship in the finest natural materials. The mattress is made from layers of padding using a combination of flax, cotton, wool, and horsehair covered in the brand's, brand's trademark checkerboard fabric with horse logos. It's mounted like a handsome steed. On I added that part. On yeah. lacquered wood legs and complemented by a plush velvet headboard with piping and wing back detail. Made in the company's sweetest workshop. Swedish workshop. That's hard to say that. Say Swedish workshop three times fast, Dame. No. Do it. Swedish workshop, Swedish workshop, Swedish workshop. Yeah, it's too slow. Each piece takes artisans 300 hours to complete. So first of all, Dame, this thing is made of flax, cotton, wool, and horsehair. Number one, it's going to make you regular. Number two, it makes for regular sleep. Number two, sounds itchy. Yeah, a lot. What do you think this bed, this Swedish bed costs? Do you think there's any way that's pronounced dreamer instead of dreamer? I'm not here for people pulling letters out. And it's like, oh, now you call us. Okay. (laughs) They just remove the A. Probably Dreamer. Uh, This bed. uh, Let's go with um, $18,000. Okay. Oh, that's what Dan's a guess. Wow. You do. Uh, Anyone else want to guess there on Facebook Live as what this thing costs? Dave, it, it may shock you to learn that this bed uh cost $35,790. I mean shocks a little strong. I mean, I'm used to being wildly under what these things cost, but it's a lot of money. Speaking of random amounts of money, and this sounds like a complaint. It's not. It's just a peculiarity that I want to point out. I was going through the TSA checkpoint uh hmm. this week, and there was a there was a sign telling people to not harass TSA agents, which I'm in full support of not harassing TSA agents or anyone for that matter. I don't want anyone to be harassed. And it threatens a fine of like $13,483. And I, it's something like that, right? It's something very specific. And I was like, 
why that number? <laughs> like, why? Well, it's like, is it meant to be part of the deterrent? And you're like, well, I can't even do that math quickly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will not call that person a ne'er do well. Like, at what point does does that feel like uh, like it will prevent a crime? I'm sure there's research behind. Much like uh, when you drive through certain apartment complexes and the speed limit is like seven and a half. Yeah, our neighborhood speed limit, I believe, is 18 miles an hour, which feels very caramel. Hmm. Dame, what's in the news this week? Well, Pete, should we uh, talk a little bit more about uh, Secure Act 2.0? I was hoping you would. Americans could stash more in their 401ks and sit on their nest eggs longer under a House bill that aims to boost individual retirement savings. The bill passed Tuesday of this week by a vote of 414 to 5. Okay, who were the five? I have no idea. Oh, I'm going to look. It raises the contribution limits for older workers, lets companies offer employees a small cash bonus just for signing up for the retirement plan. Uh, bipartisan measure, which uh, some are referring to as Secure Act 2.0, would build on retirement policy changes enacted in 2019 that, among other things, raised the age people were required to start withdrawing, withdrawing, withdrawing money. Yeah. From their retirement accounts to 72 from 70 and a half. Pete, there are a number of things that this bill provides. Let's look at them. Uh, mandatory automatic enrollment and escalation. Secure Act 2.0 would require employees that establish a new defined contribution plan to automatically enroll newly hired employees when eligible in the plan. Uh, this uh, uh, the uh, contribution would start at 3% of the employee's pay and then would increase annually by one percentage point up to 10%, but not more than 15% of the employee's pay. That's not bad. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. I always wonder, first of all, anytime you can, you, you hear the word wide bar or the phrase wide bipartisan support, mm -hmm. it gets your attention. Yeah. Cause like what, we can't agree on anything. Yeah. And I'll take five people uh, saying no. I mean, there's there's probably two reasons why people said no. One, undue pressure from lobbying who they accept money from. That's the that's the cynical way to look at it. Or two, maybe they they, they were in the industry in some uh, form and they, they feel not so great about it. I, I saw even Ed Slot, um, mm -hmm. who is a, a very prominent financial mind, found the um uh well actually he, he he likes that it reduces the draconian rmd penalty right so he, he found favor with it but there are going to be other congress people who look at it and say well because i was an insurance advisor i think this or that and i think that's how you got to the five people voting against it. yeah mr slot also said uh that uh it's not going to be quite as beneficial as most people think uh delaying rmds because You'll just be taking larger amounts of money out uh, when you have to take RMDs, and that could potentially push you into a different tax bracket. So, some good, some bad. I mean, I got I just got to find out who voted against it. I don't know why this matters to me. I'm trying to figure out who the organizations, the lobbyists, would be that would be against this. I don't know. I don't know. It seems I'll, like I'll keep it. What else is in the news while I track down these oh, well, I mean, people who voted against this? There's so much more that we could talk about here. But oh, then uh, keep going. Okay. Uh, you could increase and Rothify your catch-up contributions. Existing 401k and 403b plan catch-up contribution limits for those age 50 uh, would be kept, but the annual catch-up amount uh, would be increased to $10,000 for participants ages 62 through 64 starting in 2022. And this limit would also be indexed for inflation. 
Under current law, the 2022 limit on catch-up contributions for employees who have reached age 50 is $6,500. However, it also, the Secure Act 2.0 also provides that starting in 2023, all catch-up contributions to employer-sponsored plans must be made to Roth accounts. Mm, that's interesting. Isn't it, though? Uh, plenty of other stuff. Uh, delaying mandatory distributions, the RMDs, uh, that would get pushed to 75 years old over the course of about 10 years. Uh, it would expedite part-time workers' participation and eligibility into retirement plans. Uh, it would authorize student loan matching, Pete. Uh, one of those topics that has come up off and on for a while, that matching contributions from employers could be directed towards paying down student loans. I have really big mixed feelings on that. Now it does not feel like the time. Dane, what else is in the news? All right. I, I, I get the feeling like you and I nerd out about that topic. I'm not so sure a bunch of people care beyond what we've just mentioned. Florida is officially the largest state to mandate a financial literacy course for high school graduation. On Tuesday, Florida... Governor Ron DeSantis signed Bill SB 1054 into law. The new law will apply to students entering ninth grade in, uh, in the 23-24 school year and require that they take half a credit course in personal finance before they graduate. You know, I think, I think that's good. I, I think the tough part about this, I've said this for years, the tough part about financial literacy for teens is that in order to do it well, it just needs to be a course on warning people against corporate greed and malfeasance and how they could be subject to it. But the problem with that is, is most of the people that fund these literacy programs and, 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 and want people to, to incorporate financial literacy into curriculum are people on the other side of that malfeasance. So they're not going to teach people how to avoid corporate greed, you know? And so, that is a very cynical look, but that's kind of how it works. So you're saying this uh, bill may be sponsored by Wells Fargo? Is it? I don't know. Probably. And not them specifically, no, right? But I, I'm saying, you know, you know, I thought of an idea yesterday that I was going to bring up to uh, Queen of Content, mm. uh, Kristen mm -hmm. on our team. Queen of Content. That just happened. That yeah, I think that might be right. Yeah, just that. But when I was in Texas this week, oh, the show's over. I got to go. The show's over. I can't even tell you this story. Oh, well, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. This is a great story, I assure you. You'll come back next week to not hear it either. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all in, uh, it's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner show. Yeah, well, there you go. I apologize. Uh, I didn't start my watch uh, that segment, so I had no way of leading you into that gracefully. Um, two things. Queen of Con I was in Texas, and people were like, hey... How's the queen of Texas? Because we called her queen of yeah. Texas for a while. And uh, like she's got fans. Of course she does. Get big, multiple people asked did, me about her. Did, uh, did you no one asked me about you. Of course not. Did you tell them that they might uh, might be hearing from her a little more often? I don't, don't tip our hand, sir. Okay. Don't tip our hand. If you're a big fan of the queen of Texas, let's just say that uh, you'll be seeing a lot of her soon. Uh, next, in, as it relates to the queen of content, I had this idea. What if we went across the interwebs and found housing affordability calculators put out there by lenders and compared them all to what we recommend. And then shame them. <laughs> now, I may just point out the differences. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was, then shame them. <laughs> um, anything else for you, name? No, 
Okay. Yeah, well, you and I you can just uh, sit around after we're finished and chat for a while. Yeah, absolutely what will happen. Um, I was reminded on my flight this week, listening to uh, my playlist, heard a little E40, reminded me to tell you all the reason I closed the podcast the way I closed the podcast. Because one of my favorite performers of all time, Mr. E40, Earl Stevens, um, uh, in one of his fav- my favorite songs, he, he says the lyrics, stay getting money. Hmm. And so that's why I say it to you. And so I give you that context to simply say to you, stay getting money. <laughs>